This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Team you hate playing again? Yeah, uh, yeah I guess fucking auto, I guess. <laughs> We're a team. And we are back with a brand new episode of the Sense Hour podcast. It's Shane alongside Derek. We're part of the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are sponsored by Customized Sports. If you already haven't checked out our pinned tweet on Twitter, we have a jersey kit contest running between now and the end of November. You have a chance to win either a Brady Kachuk jersey kit or a Thomas Shabbat jersey kit. And I'll tell you right now, the early signs are showing all Shabbat. It's kind of a runaway for a little bit for Shabbat. Kachuk's getting up there, but it seems like Ottawa fans really want that Shabbat jersey. And, uh, you know, I, I don't blame them. That, that 72 looks crisp. I think with his contract kind of sectioned off for the next eight years, people are like, oh, longevity, that's the jersey we're going to get. If this was when if Kachuk announced the signing, I guarantee you Kachuk would be the number one selling jersey in the NHL. Yeah, at least from an Ottawa perspective, for sure, and and maybe even in the NHL right now with the new Sens jerseys, um, they're definitely a, a hot ticket item right now. So uh, yeah, it, it is interesting that Shabbat is leading the race, but uh, as you said, you know you got that security there with the eight years locked up, and hopefully they could uh, do the same with Kachuk. Yeah, hopefully. And I mean, we have, uh, there. there's talk of, I don't know if you saw the tweet, uh, but it sounds like some teams are starting to bring back their players from loan. So I wonder if we're going to start seeing that with some of the Ottawa players. Uh, but, you know, we got to talk about one of the kids that are just lighting up Europe right now, and that's Robbie Yarventi. I think we've talked about him almost every episode because he continues to impress over playing in the men's league, playing minimal minutes. Uh, but he had another goal, putting up his total to 12 points in 14 games. Uh, ridiculous for an uh, 18-year-old. Yeah, and you touched on it. It's the it's the minutes thing that gets me. I mean, this kid is playing just over 12 minutes a game, and he's putting up these kind of points on uh, on a good team. But but this is the top league in Finland we're talking about, and this kid just turned 18. Like he he has risen so much. Uh, he's he's rocking the Red Bull helmet right now, and I mean it's a great in, innuendo because he is he's growing some wings and he's flying up the charts right now. Um, if he if there was a redraft tomorrow, this kid would be in the first round. I don't think there's any question about it. Yeah, and I mean they did say that he had first round talent, but it's kind of crazy how I think he's averaging like just around 13 minutes a game, third line minutes. Good power play time. I think uh, I saw it was like kind of a two minutes of power play time a game. And like, that's impressive for an 18 year old kid. Uh, some of the, the reports that I, I've read uh, had him, you know, they were, they were really impressed with him. They wanted him up uh, last year, but they thought they might, they might rush him a little bit. So they brought him up to Liga and then loaned him down to Division Two and then brought him up full time this year. And man, it's worked wonders. Yeah, that team is, uh, they have some impressive young players. I mean, that whole team does. But uh, he's playing with, I believe, Yuso uh, Valamaki, if I'm saying that right. Probably not. But, uh, <laughs> another 
qua prospect and he the two of them are playing extremely well together yeah i mean honestly i think uh, since fans this is like a shane pinto 2.0 you're just kind of I, I hope he goes to the world juniors and i hope he dominates the world juniors yeah he's projected in that lineup now so um hopefully we do get to see him at the world juniors and he'll become kind of a household name for uh for sense fans at least uh for the next little bit He's, again, as you said, he's forcing us to talk about him every week. He just keeps doing something special. And it's the release that the kid has that is really next level. I mean, that's what's going to get him. If he does make it in the NHL, that's what's going to make it for him. Yeah, and I mean, I, uh, I was reading an article on The Athletic because uh, I finally uh, caved and decided to, to subscribe to it. I mean, it was 75 cents a month. I'm not going to complain. Uh, but... It was an article from uh, Scott Wheeler and Haley. I can never pronounce her last name. Is it Salvian? Salvian. Salvian. Uh, and they were breaking down uh, Robbie Arventi's film. And like, there's a couple of clips on there, like showing how he doesn't follow the puck. He kind of he understands that the play is going this way, so I'm going to skirt around back and kind of go in for a backdoor pass. And he seems to evolve his game into being able to get himself open and get lost in the crowd, which I don't think we've had in a forward in quite a while. There's not a guy that like really comes to mind when I'm like, who's someone who can get lost in the crowd or who has been able to get lost in the crowd uh, really since like Alfredson or Heatley. Yeah, exactly. Those offensive instincts are definitely opening him up for that release. And, and he's got both working for him. He can open himself up, as you said, and then he uses that release at the same time. And right now, teammates are getting him the puck. Um, he is working with a little bit more space out there. We should mention that they do play on a bigger ice surface. But at the same time, um, you know, you don't want to take away from what this kid is doing at 18 years old. He's, he's definitely forcing us into um, some conversations. And I think he's moving along in his development way faster than anyone would have uh, even expected. Even the Senators after the draft, they said, you know, he has so much to work on. He's got to develop his defensive game completely, his play away from the puck. But he just seems to be making strides so quickly that uh, it'll be interesting to see how quickly he becomes an Ottawa Senator. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, watching the clips and watching what's available, because I haven't been able to watch much of his games, He's, he's worked a lot on being able to play without the puck. And obviously, like you said, there is that uh, default or kind of question mark because of the ice surface. But if he can hone those skills in a bigger ice surface, it means that he should be able to translate them relatively well onto a North American ice surface. It's not like he's going to have to come over here and learn how to play that style. He's He knows how to play it if he can kind of sharpen it up and – Make it one of make it kind of more of a his every like every game kind of thing. Coming over to North America shouldn't be an issue. Yeah, and we'll get a chance to see it hopefully at the World Juniors pretty well right away with the smaller ice surface against peers his own age, um, and that'll be definitely one of the prospects I'm most interested to see. Aside from I think Jake Sanderson, for me has maybe the most intrigue behind him just because he keeps mentioning the fact that he's going to prove that he's more of an offensive player than people give him credit for. So that's something I really want to see. But uh, Robbie Arventi is the next kind of player that I want to see uh, from a Sens prospect standpoint if uh, Stutzla is not on the World Junior roster. 
Yeah, I mean, I think if looking at it, I think we have a, a good amount of players. I, I think Ridley Craig could make a, his name for it. There's talk of uh, Gannett out of Valdor, who was our seventh-round pick last year. He was one of the last people cut from last year's team. There's talk that he could be invited to the actual camp if a player like Drysdale or Byram it has they've their Anaheim or Colorado has decided, hey, we want you for our camp, uh, specifically Drysdale on that right side. Those are guys I think we could see quite a bit of uh, talent, Senators prospects at the World Juniors this year across the, the states because we also have Pinto who's going to be part of it. I'm pretty sure he's still eligible for the World Juniors. Yeah, if he's, uh, I can't remember exactly what the cutoff is uh, and what Pinto is for his birthday, but I think he's on. He'll be on the American roster, um, so that will be definitely another player to watch. Oh, um, he just turned twenty, uh, so he won't be. <laughs> he won't be on the roster. I yeah, I can't remember so, if he was turning nineteen or twenty this year. Yeah, exactly. I knew he was right on the cusp. I just didn't know exactly where he was. But uh, yeah, we'll have many players to watch at the World Juniors. Um, I think Greg and um, Gannett are kind of outside shots if we're being honest, but, um, but could potentially, you know, slide into a roster if they impress their coaches or kind of take on a role that someone else isn't taking on, uh, on their teams. Um, but definitely, you know, Sanderson, uh, Stutzla and Yarventi now being kind of the three top players that uh, we want to see at the world juniors, uh, just to get a taste of what these guys are going to be at the NHL level. Oh, 100%. And I think, personally, I, I'm more interested for your Venti now than I am for Stutzel or Stutzel or Sanderson. I think we know what to expect out of Sanderson and what to expect out of uh, of Timmy Stutzel. And I think they're not going to really impress in the way, like, how, as a third and fifth overall pick, how are you going to impress? Like, really, unless you somehow you're going to disappoint more than you're going to impress, in my opinion, when you're picked that high in the draft. Jarvinci yeah. was looked as a, as a hard reach at 33, so he has a lot to prove at this. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how he, how he stacks up to you know the, the players in his draft class or a year older or a year younger. Yeah. Jarvinci was definitely the kind of home run swing that uh, Dorian and Mann went for at 33 and even when they picked him, I was kind of saying like, who is this guy? We passed on so many players in that spot that were still available. And I don't think anyone's saying that now. Um, so yeah, as you said, I think when players like Stutzla and Sanderson will come in, they're going to have really lofty expectations on their teams. Um, but a guy like Yarventi is relatively unknown uh, unless you're, you know, a hardcore sense fan and you've been, following along, you know, all the prospects and shout out to Sense Prospects on Twitter for, you know, keeping us informed the whole time. Yeah, man, does, that guy is amazing work. Absolutely. Amazing work. Uh, Speaking of amazing work, Shane, what do you think of these retro jerseys? Some of them coming out, you know, I wasn't expecting much initially. I was expecting them to be kind of a gimmick, kind of a one-year kind of Reverse retro, okay, you know, you're reaching for revenue. They're going to be lousy jerseys, but some of them coming out are looking fresh. What do you what do you like the best so far 
about some of the new jerseys you've seen? So if okay, so the rumors are for Air, like for Arizona, they're doing a reverse of that green like steampunk looking coyote logo, uh, which honestly the purple looks sick. Not going to lie. Um, the Anaheim ducks. It's weird seeing teal as like a, as like a secondary color um, instead of like a third color. But if it's a wild wing, like if it's a white, I'm, I'm all about wild wing. I think it was a great Jersey. So I'm super excited for it. And then Calgary's bringing it. If they're bringing back Blassie, I hope they are. Those are my top three right now realistically like there wasn't really anything in the central that made me go wow i figured colorado was going to do something nordiques and that's kind of what and that's what they're doing uh so that's kind of wow i'm annoyed that minnesota is doing the north stars colors and that winnipeg is throwing it back to the seven like to 79 i just think it's there weren't from for me as a historical point like that's not part of your franchise's history um I don't know why you're doing it. They could have like Minnesota should have done it back, like done a throwback to like their old school, like their first jerseys, but do it red because everyone seemed to love that red color that they had a couple of years ago as their alternates. Um, don't get me wrong. I, my issue with really with the North stars is if it's going to be the North stars logo, I'm hoping it's that stylized M with the North stars colors. I can, I can go with that. I can, I can vibe with it. Uh, and I mean, Hartford, right? Hartford, that white Hartford. I think everyone's been wanting it. So there's some that are really, really good. And then there's some that are really, really bad. And I think Nashville's is going to be one of them. Nashville's, I just, I think they're going to get it wrong. And it's just, that's going to be the worst of them all. Yeah, I I actually agree with almost everything you said there. Um, For me, the top one is actually uh, St. Louis. I just like how they threw in the red. It looks it does look retro. It looks super cool if it ends up being, you know, the one that they end up going with. But um, my top three, Arizona for sure is up there. Um, I think it looks unbelievable if it's going to be anything like the uh, the drawings that I've seen. And um, and Calgary, if they're going, if they're going back to uh, to the classic, uh, what's the logo called? Remind me. Blasty. Blasty Black. the horse, yeah. Blasty the flaming horse. I know Flames fans absolutely love that logo, so they're going to go hysterical for that. It it looks beautiful. I had I had a medium. I bought a medium off some guy, and then I ended up selling it for like a hundred bucks because I was just like, I I like it, but it's a, that's one of those jerseys that I want to wear. Um, my issue is I might have to break my own rule on this and get like a Kippersoft on the back of it if it's identical to what they, their like what they wore, I'm not much of like the, Oh, you know, don't put names on a, a Jersey that they've never worn, but I might just have to get a Kipper soft for it. Not going to lie. If that, if it says, if it's identical, I'll, I'll, I'll suck it up and deal with it. But yeah, blasty San Jose going to that gray though, I think is going to look so nice. I love their retro look like their, their original look. It was always so much nicer. My, I'm just curious if they're going to use the the OG logo or not for that one. Mm. Yeah, with the shark biting the stick in half. Yeah. I, I don't know what the name is for it. But I know exactly what logo you're you're looking. Yeah, like, honestly, Pittsburgh should be nice. Pittsburgh, Washington. If Washington's going back to the screaming eagle, I'm going to be all about it. Mm. Uh, and then Columbus having a red jersey should be nice. I want to know if they're going to use their, 
like the OG logo or if they're going to use the Canon. Oh yeah. That could be, that could be hype too. Um, we should probably touch on Ottawa, I guess, since this is a send show. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's less interesting. I think it's, you know, most likely it's going to be a red version of the black one we're seeing now, right? Just reversed. Oh, hundred percent. It has to be. It's yeah. the only logo that we haven't seen a red jersey in. Hmm. So you don't and think they're going to do anything funky like? Bro, I don't think so. Bro. I don't think they'll risk it. No. And it like says specifically red and black. So I don't think, I mean, the one thing I was thinking about is maybe they could throw a white in with the red and black, a, a white stripe somewhere, and it will look super cool. But it doesn't appear like that's what they're going to do. I think they're just going to simply reverse the home black and, and make it red. Yeah, I mean, with I think with the new logo or going back, you're, you shouldn't expect something like super crazy. I think they're going to play it safe. Give us a red 2D jersey that we've never had before. And I'm all like, I love it. I think, honestly, I think it's great. It's just simple. They've tried to be, you know, you, you have the Senegoth jersey. And then you have the Sens, like that, that weird Sens jersey that's very hit or miss. You have the Heritage O, both hit, like the cream and the black that did really well. And then you came out with the Silver O that didn't really do that well. It's fans and out of the, out of all th- four of those, five of those, the most simple is with Heritage O's. Sense fans like simple for the most part. They just like something simple, classic, clean. Nothing more simple, classic, and clean than a red and black jersey. Yeah. I mean, exactly what you said. It's not going to be, it's not going to blow anyone away. It, I think it'll look cool. Like it'll just be kind of different to see a 2D in red because we've never had that before. Um, but it's not going to blow me away if they just reverse the black to, you know, red and black, um, as opposed to adding something a little bit different, but simple, sometimes simple and clean, I mean, is what people want. Sometimes it's not, you know, throwing these weird stripes and lines in there and and making it look kind of funky. So uh, I don't mind keeping it clean. Yeah. I mean, I have, I'm going to get a black Batherson, but I might end up getting like a red Stetzel or something like that. Because I do like the black. I mean, I've always enjoyed the black jersey, and I'm happy Ottawa's gone back to the black. But I might end up getting that that red, red reverse retro, especially if it's only one year. I feel like that's something like if it's one year. But here's the thing. My question, like, I'm curious about like Toronto and Montreal. See, like they've had the same color scheme and basically the same logo their entire history. Montreal is most likely going to be blue. I think that would be sick seeing like a Navy blue Montreal Jersey. It seems like Toronto is going to a, uh, blue and silver kind of color. I'm kind of disappointed. I wish they would have done a St. Pat's like a, a green or like a, a St. Pat's kind of throwback reverse or a Toronto arenas reverse because that's really like that's their part of their history and i think that would have been cool yeah and and something different you know like blue and silver okay you're not deviating too much from the white really so it, yeah it's not going to be vastly different from what people are expecting with the silver um some of these jerseys are going to be hits some of them are going to be misses um it's it's cool it's a good way to gen- generate some revenue from a league that needs it right now um so i like the idea 
Um, I'm not sure who came up with, you know, reverse retro. They could have just did retro <laughs> and, and threw it back. But, uh, but it's a neat idea. I think it'll work well for the NHL. I think it was that some teams may, like Anaheim or, or San Jose, may not have wanted to release a full-on retro. Because I think there are definitely teams that have had that, like, ask for that retro look, but not the same color scheme. Like, they wanted, a, you know, Ottawa. A red 2D logo jersey is sick. I wouldn't have wanted a, a another black 2D or like I wouldn't wanted I wouldn't have wanted like a black 3D Senegoth remake because we've already had that. I much rather something that we haven't had before, and I think that was the whole point. Like for the Kings, it's the purple and gold colorway, which is fantastic, but it has the the Gretzky era silver and black logo or that's what it's expected is to have that logo which i think is cool because a lot of people were like that logo was really nice i think it would good, look really good on this colorway and i think unlike like, here's the thing that I'll, I'll give the nba credit for raptors have five jerseys for next season they've released three of them it looks like they're going to release a purple one and an ovo one at some point in the near future people buy those jerseys every year i think if the nhl really wanted to make money you make these jerseys 200 bucks flat for a name jersey. You make it 150, 140 bucks for a blank. People are going to buy them and they're going to buy them every year because they're 140 bucks. The NBA is 130 for uh uh what are they called now? Um like the Nike just general fan jerseys. You know, the authentic ones are still like 300 bucks, but more people feel comfortable spending 130 bucks on a jersey they like yearly than they do 250 plus dollars. Yeah, that the new sense jerseys are ridiculously expensive. Like I was personally waiting until the price came down because I just I can't fathom spending $300 on a jersey. Um, it, it is ridiculous. They do need to come up with, like you said, a system where they could produce more jerseys and have them at a lower value. Uh, they do have the Fanatics brand that, you know, runs a little bit cheaper, but they're so far from the authentic that to me, it's like, I don't even want to buy one. Yeah. I mean, it's a hundred dollars different that gets you a, an Adidas versus a, um, like a Fanatics, like realistically, the quality is greater. Like the quality difference between the two is very noticeable. And you're getting a better jersey for 50 bucks more because it's 150 bucks regular price for a blank fanatic, 200 bucks for a blank Adidas. Or you can buy an NBA jersey, a Nike NBA jersey, which, yes, has less material. That's the big thing. But, you know, the numbers are still heat pressed. NHL, NHL jerseys aren't stitched, they're all heat pressed. So it's like you're not paying, you're paying for the sleeves, basically what you're paying for. That extra 120 bucks gives you two sleeves. Yeah, exactly. Um, we need to talk about something that uh, happened this past week. Uh, what do you make of Timmy Stitzla back skating for the Ooh. first time, or at least showing a video of him skating for the first time since the injury? See, I wonder because he had his like. I wonder if this was the first time he was on skates with a stick in his hand because it was a wrist injury. So, like, I think why would he not be on skates through a wrist injury? Like, he could still skate; he just couldn't handle a stick. So I feel like this is that would may have been his first practice with a stick in his hand, which would line up for about the six week mark. 
he got hurt what early October. Yeah. Shortly after the draft. Um, so probably like three weeks into the injury. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. He's not shooting pucks in the minute. Like that's going to be really the telltale sign is like when he starts shooting pucks, but it's a good sign. I think it's a, an impressive sign. I think he'll be like middle December is really where I hope he's back participating full contact, shooting the puck and all that. Yeah. And I mean, speaking to his strengths, um, if you've seen the video and if you've skated at all, you'll know just how talented of a skater he is just by watching that little sample. Cause that edge work is just phenomenal. He looks so slow in it though, though. It, like if you didn't realize it was edge work, like if you didn't realize that that's what he was working on, you would just look at him and be like, man, he's a slow skater. <laughs> yeah. But then you, <laughs> I, I agree. I, I don't think he was working on, you know, acceleration or speed in that video. You're right. So you kind of have to know what the coach has, has kind of asked him to do beforehand. But I think you can appreciate if you've skated before, you can appreciate that edge work and it is like, it's top notch. hundred <laughs> percent. And I mean, I think right now in the NHL edge work is an explosiveness is, is more important. I mean, probably just as important as speed, but if you have a guy who can, and I and bring it back to your Arventi, his, his first three strides now are ridiculous. Like the amount of power you can get out of your first three strides is crazy. So personally, I don't care if he can, you know, go up and down the ice super quick. If his first three steps are slow. And I think that's what made a guy like McDavid so, so crazy and so hard to defend is because his three steps are unbelievable, but he can still beat you if he messes up those first three steps. Yeah, it's all about transition in today's NHL. And like you said, if you don't have the acceleration, it doesn't really matter what your top speed is because you're never going to be able to use it. So to, to be an effective transition player, you have to have those first few steps. You have to have that pull-away speed in transition because you're moving from defense to offense. That's when you catch Ds off. That's when you catch them off stride. So you can go around a guy if you have acceleration. If you have top speed you rarely get to use it without the acceleration first. I mean, the acceleration will build your top speed up. I mean, you just have to maintain after you've got to a certain speed. A hundred percent. And I'm, I'm excited to see what, what Timmy Stitzel can do in an, on a North American ice, especially playing with a guy like Brady Kachuk. Cause if he's playing center, most likely playing with a guy like with Brady Kachuk personally, I don't see it working. I don't see Timmy Stitzel working with Brady Kachuk unless Brady Kachuk has worked tremendously on his skating oh yeah just for the fact that kachuk will be steps behind stutzla i guess in especially in transition 100 percent. like yeah. i think like personally if i'm looking at stutzla or stutzla i think a guy like matherson who has that good explosive speed he's not the fastest but he has that good three steps and putting him on the wing with a guy like Yerventi or, or Formington or Balsers who have the steps and the speed to match him. I honestly don't see him working quite out. Like I can see this being like a, a Jason Spezza, a Bobby Ryan situation where Bobby Ryan just wasn't able to keep up. He was just a step slower than where Spezza needed him to be. Yeah, it just looks great on paper, but then when it actually gets to the ice, it's it doesn't translate as well. I actually have Stutzla lining up with Dadnov. Like I just like the two together. I think that would be 
a terrific duo if Stutzla is anywhere near what we think he could be this year. Um, I see him feeding Dadnov like all day. And Dadnov loves to, as we mentioned with Yarventi, to hide out in the quiet areas close to the net. And I think Stutzla, watching video from him in the DL, he's able to get his teammates the puck in that area specifically. So I could see him and Dadnov working out terrifically. Yeah, so do I. And I mean, Dadnov has like not very like underrated speed. But he's a lot quicker than people give him credit for. Like I watched a couple of his his highlights when he was with Barkov and Huberto, and like Huberto and Barkov are quick skaters, and he was staying up there. So even though he's on the the plus side of thirty, he should be able to keep up with a guy like Stutzel. And hey, maybe maybe that's what benefits Kachuk. Maybe having him on a line with Stutzel and Dadinov, because he can kind of come into the behind the play, kind of get lost that way, and just kind of slot in front of the net. So maybe it works. But I'm really interested to see how DJ Smith works this to his advantage in the near future. Yeah, I was always of the opinion for Kachuk that he needs a good play driver to really take his game to the next level. And I think if Stutzla becomes that play driver and and really takes up all of the attention, Brady could easily sneak in, like you said, just trailing a little bit behind, sneak into those quiet spots. And we know how well he gets to the net. I mean, he's an agitator. So if Stutzla could just kind of hold off on some of that pressure until Brady enters the zone a little bit later, it could work out in the future. Um, I don't know that Stutzla is going to be that good at doing that immediately. But I think down the road, um, Stutzla and Brady could potentially work together if they transition uh, Timmy to the, the center of the ice. Oh, 100%. And I think... For me, it's more about who else, who we, who do we have as as well, right? Like, if you have a guy like Formanton, can he, can Pinto or uh, Norris keep up with that speed on a on a game to day basis? And if they can't, and Stitzel can, you're going to see that kind of movement, which I think Sense fans are going to lose their mind at if you were to see Stitzel as a second or third line center lined up with like. Formanton, but getting you know twenty some minutes a night. I think Sense fans would lose their mind if that happened. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you want your third overall pick. You want him to play um, as much as he possibly can. Um, and I, I think he will eventually. Um, I think they'll have to find a way to spread some of the scoring out if they are kind of top heavy. It's not going to work. But I do like the prospects coming up, as you mentioned, Formanton. I think is underrated. We still have Norris coming up. We have Pinto coming up. I mean, Colin White could take a step forward. You have all these guys, Batherson, um, so many young guys that really um, you could spread that, that scoring out if they become the players that Ottawa hopes they will become. But, uh, you know, that's why we're not too sure of, you know, this if, if this team's going to be a contender or if they're going to be kind of a bubble team like they were. Um, and that's what will make all the difference if these prospects can develop into the players that we think they can. A hundred percent. And we're going to take a, a real quick break. When we come back, we have to talk Atlantic division or Canada division, NHL, AHL, because that's kind of where it seems it's heading now. Uh, we'll also talk about Colin White a little bit more. And yeah, so we'll be, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Uh, so stay, uh, stay put. 
What's up, everybody? This is Brendan. This is Taylor. And we are Straight Up Sabres, covering the Buffalo Sabres for the Hockey Podcast Network. That's right. You can hear us every Monday and Thursday on Hockey Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter at Straight Sabres or follow us on Facebook at Straight Up Sabres. We are very excited to bring you all of the latest coverage of what is surprisingly seeming to be a pretty exciting Sabres season ahead. That's right. The Rasmus Ristolainen breakout season is here. You can only hear it every Monday and Thursday, a Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics, wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back. And remember, we are sponsored by Customized Sports, your one-stop shop for any jersey kit for your blank jersey. I have a bunch of them. If you're watching live on YouTube or on Twitter, the two jerseys behind me, the kits were provided by Customized Sports. Fantastic quality, super easy instructions to follow. And yeah, definitely go check them out, Customized Sports on eBay, and they have a website, CustomizedSportsCanada.com. And we're back. We got, you know, Canada Division. That is the biggest topic right now in terms of NHL, AHL play this year. We'll start off with the AHL play because it's a little bit trickier. They are having, they're talking about Manitoba, the Moose, Laval Rockets, the Toronto Marlies and the Belleville Senators playing in a division against each other, which wouldn't be too like too crazy since Montreal or Laval, Ottawa or Belleville and Toronto all play against each other throughout the year anyways because they're on the same division. The big news is that uh, Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver do not want to move their team north of the border in case uh, because of expenses. So it makes things a little bit interesting for them in case they want to call people up. But we'll start with the AHL. Uh, do you see a four-team division really working? Uh, no. <laughs> it, it's a little too small uh, for my liking. Uh, you're going to see the same teams over and over and over. Um, and it will get a little bit dry. Um, it, it's an interesting season, again, thanks to COVID. Um, we are where we are. but. Uh, I don't see it working, you know, it, but it is what it is. Again, you know, it, it's not a perfect world that we live in. Um, you, you're going to have to make a sacrifice somewhere. A, a four-team division would be honestly a little bit disappointing. Uh, we expect big things out of Belleville, certainly this season. Um, so to see uh, just an asterisk assigned to anything that they could potentially win thanks to a four-team division would be a little bit disappointing from my perspective. Yeah. And I mean, what the original divisions are what, like nine teams. It's like the North division has nine teams. Cause it's big. The, the devil's affiliate. You have Utica, which is the Vancouver affiliate, Rochester. Uh, and I think Cleveland are the, uh, other four teams. And I think there's one more and I can't remember. I think, uh, it's Laval, Belleville, Toronto, Utica, Binghamton, Cleveland. There's two others that I can't remember. But, yeah, a nine-team division is ridiculous. But, you know, they only have four divisions. It's like nine or eight teams. Uh, They were leading when the season canceled. But, yeah, I'd be very disappointed in a a four-game or a four-team division when it comes to the overall look of the the league. Because, like, like you said, you're playing 72 games against the same four teams. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it just, it wouldn't be, 
from an entertaining standpoint, it wouldn't really be anything outside of here's a team to develop your prospects on. And they're just playing in this kind of Mickey Mouse division. Um, but it is actually, it's eight teams. Um, so you hit them all. <laughs> when oh, you're okay, there. cool. But yeah. Uh, so last year, Belleville was top in their division uh, at 38 wins, 20 losses uh, ahead of Rochester. So yeah, it would be, to me, it would be disappointing. I want to see, you know, a, a proper division. And I'd like to see whatever sacrifice they have to make. I'd like to see it. I know the teams don't want to travel. Uh, teams like Edmonton, Vancouver, they have teams in the States. They don't want to travel across the border and have to pay those fees. So it's understandable from a financial aspect and from a COVID aspect, I guess, because nothing is the same right now, but it's disappointing. A hundred percent. I agree. And I mean, but realistically, how, how much would it cost? Like if you're realistically, if you're Utica, you move to Vancouver, you play out of Vancouver for the time being, you know, uh, it's the same with Edmonton and Calgary. You just be able to move them to your city and just play them out of your city. It would make more of a frustrating uh, scheduling wise, but I mean, it would be doable. It's not like you'd have to go out and rent a whole new arena for them. Yeah. I just kind of wonder what it does to the contracts. People, some of the players getting paid in American dollars or Canadian dollars. I'm not I'm pretty sure. sure everyone gets paid in America and the, the contracts are all American and they, I think they just convert it at some point, but yeah. Right. Is, is there not like a tax situation? There's something that I know NHL players were complaining about, you know, when it comes to playing in Canada, you're taxed a little bit more heavily. Well, yeah, but I mean, cause you're paying like, you're paying like income tax and that's you're paying the prevent, like the, the federal and the provincial tax. And just like how, you know, you and I pay, taxes in Ontario and for Canada, they would pay taxes in, you know, Alberta and Canada kind of thing. Right. So you're doubled up a little bit. Yeah. Instead of just paying, I think you pay, if you're a Canadian, you'd pay, you're paying, you know, California tax, which I don't think is any in terms of income. I think you have property tax, but I don't think they have income tax in California. So you're not actually being taxed much in California. All your taxes are in Canada because you're a Canadian citizen. You still get taxed but you would get most of it back on your return kind of thing. Right. So, yeah, I mean, exactly what you said, whatever those hurdles are, they don't seem insurmountable. Like they, they should be able to make something work um, at the AHL level. And it would be disappointing if they didn't. A hundred percent. And like you're Vancouver, like realistically, what would that mean for Vancouver and Minton and, and Calgary? Like, you have players in Utica, Stockton, and Bakersfield. Uh, Stockton and Bakersfield both being in California, and then you have Utica, New York. If you have to quarantine for 14 days, you're not going to be able to call someone up if there's an all-Canadian division. Like, it's just not going to work. That's another really good point. I think it would it would make it easier uh, if they were in within Canada, in that Canadian division. If you have to quarantine for 14 days, I mean, you're kind of stuck. Like you said, they, they would have to run with a pretty lofty roster in Vancouver and just have guys practicing with the team but not actually playing to have call-up situations. I wonder if this would mean that you would have expanded rosters because if you were to have expanded rosters, that would make things completely different, especially for Ottawa. Because mm-hmm. uh, if you're adding, I don't know, let's say you were to add f- playoff style. It was what, what, 28 roster spots? Yeah. Uh, and unlimited goalies? So if you were to run that, like, 
Because let's say there was no AHL season. For whatever reason, they decided to cancel the AHL season. You were having like 30 players. Like, that would be crazy because you'd want those players playing. You wouldn't want them on the bench every game. It would make things so much more interesting in terms of like, I, in that way, I would I would keep Stetzel in, in, in Germany. I just let him play in the Dell and whatnot. But it would, it would make things super interesting to see what would happen if there was expanded rosters. And I'm, I'm glad you touched on that because I do kind of wonder, like since Twitter was uh, in, a, in a fuzzy kind of panic once again when Ottawa announced that they signed Michael Haley. Um, but I do kind of wonder, maybe they have like some information um, and we might have just touched on it where they are going to have expanded rosters. And if you want anyone being on a fifth line, or being your extra players not really playing, it's players like Michael Haley that are not in a long-term picture on your team. You want to develop your players. You don't want them just practicing with the team and not getting game reps. So to me, the Haley signing, although to me it was no big deal because it's just like another competitive... It's um, AHL depth too, right? It's a one-way, yeah. two-way... It's a one-year, two-way contract. Like, it, it is what it is. It's just We need players in Belleville. <laughs> yeah, and, and people seem to forget you know, what we're running into with the COVID situation and exactly that example that you were talking about. If we're, if we're talking about expanded rosters, much like the playoffs are, you want guys like Michael Haley and some of these veteran players um, being on your kind of fifth line as a replacement player that you could just slide into your roster as opposed to someone who you really want to develop. You want them to get game situations. So. And I mean, it also makes it easier. Let's say not a guy like Austin Watson gets hurt. Okay, well, are you going to really pencil in a Bromoff as your fourth line winger? Are you going to move Connor Brown down a line? Like, no, you're not going to do that. You want a guy who can slot in at the fourth line. And that, that's a guy like Michael Haley. So it's just like, we're not going to replace a fourth line guy with a, a top six prospect. This is not going to happen. If Batherson gets hurt, they're not going to slot in Michael Haley. They'll slot in a Bromoff. Kind of yeah. thing, like yeah, it makes sense. her role, you know, whatever the role is on the team. Like you said, if Watson's hurt, it makes more sense to slide in a Haley because he brings a lot of the same characteristics. But if a Batherson gets hurt, you you bring in a skilled player that could potentially replace what Batherson's going to bring offensively. So it it makes perfect sense to me. And I mean, if you're in an all Canadian division, Haley can go in against Calgary and Edmonton, who have you know Zach Hajin and and Milan Lucic on their disposal. We don't really have that physical out, – realistically, outside of Austin Watson, we don't have that, like – or maybe even Eric Goodbranson being generous there. We don't really have that, like, Scott Saber and Chris Neal kind of player anymore. And I know the league is kind of going against it, but you still need one or two guys because there are still teams that have those guys. You know, if, if you're in the Central Division, you have to – or the Pacific Division, you have – you know, uh, Ryan Reeves for Vegas, you need someone to go against him. So if you're going a team against Milan Lucic or Zach Hajin, you want someone who can go pound for pound for them. And that's Michael Haley. Yeah. And, and you have a young team in Ottawa. You want, you want them to feel comfortable playing and, and using their skill. And you want them to go out there and do that without, you know, facing the challenge of a, a big hulking guy kind of running them and getting away with it. So teams that play Ottawa will know uh, if they try to run their star players and their star prospects, they're not going to get away with it. They're going to have to face the music. Um, and I don't mind it for a few seasons. 
Um, I think if possible, you know, finding those unicorns like like a Wilson, a Colin Wilson, who can both play hockey and be that physical aspect is, you know, something special and, and different nowadays. But uh, at the same time, you know, Watson isn't the worst hockey player either. Um, so I think having a guy like him on your fourth line doesn't hurt you in any way. No, and I mean, I think Kachuk's going to drop the gloves as much as we may not want him to. He's going to do it. Uh, we still have a guy like Parker Kelly in in Belleville who can play hockey and be a pest. And I think if it is expanded rosters, we're going to have a lot of you know bottom six guys who can still produce some points. Obviously, you're not going to expect him to be you know a point of game kind of player or producing at that kind of level. But you know, I feel confident in having a guy like Parker Kelly on my fourth line knowing that I can put him out there in an offensive situation and he can deliver. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, uh, shifting gears here a little bit, but but staying on the same uh, subject matter, really. Um, in the NHL, uh, they're talking about Canadian division, as we were just talking about in the AHL. Um, and we have vastly different lists. So Shane and I made our own lists and thought it would be fun to kind of dive into what we think the end result would be if the standings stayed Canadian division throughout the whole season, um, you know, how would we rank them? So uh, Shane, who do you have at number seven in a Canadian division? I have, okay. So for me, I have Vancouver and it's just, their goaltending is going to be fine. Hopefully Demko is going to be great, but I think, you know, losing um, the players they lost, you know, uh, Stetcher, to Foley and, Markstrom and I mean Markstrom Holpe you can make an argument of upgrade but I think overall they lost a lot of key components to last year's playoff team and I don't think in a Canadian division where almost every team has gotten better it's not especially if it's a lot of back-to-backs I don't feel comfortable with with Calgary being able to to overcome, I think they're going to start out of the gate or like slow. I think that's the problem is that they're going to start out slow and they'll, it'll be too much of a deficit for them to overcome. Yeah. Especially in a shortened season. Um, so for me at number seven, um, sorry, sense fans, but uh, I still have us finishing last uh, in an all Canadian division. Um, but I will say that in the Atlantic, um, I did have Ottawa potentially passing the Florida Panthers. Um, so. In an all-Canadian division, I just think it's a little bit too strong for Ottawa, if I'm being honest with it. I do like the offseason that we've had. I still think we're going to make forward strides. So, you know, at the end of the day, when we're talking about a full league standings, um, I don't see them at the bottom of the league any longer. I think they're going to pass some teams overall. But when we're talking about a Canadian division, I think some of the teams are just a little bit stronger than what an Atlantic division would have. So I have Ottawa finishing seventh. Yeah, that's fair. And I mean, if there's any, if there's one team that's so hit or miss in this, it's Ottawa, because the additions they've added uh, could turn out great. They could play above their head, or they could not. And I think that it's one of those teams that's very hit or miss. Um, at number six, I got the Oilers, and I know it's foolish to say, oh, you know, McDavid, Dry, uh, Drysaddle, and you know, Nugent Hopkins, who has quietly become a really good player. And then you added in a guy like Turris. They brought back Ennis. Um, I don't feel comfortable with Koskinen and Smith. If that's your one-two combo, 
I, I personally don't feel comfortable with it. They weren't really good last year. They struggled in the playoffs. If there's a lot of back-to-backs, I don't feel com- like I don't feel comfortable with this tandem being able to steal them games. McDavid and forward group are fine, and their depth scoring should get, get better. But I just I don't think they'll be able to keep the puck out of their net enough in this All Canadian Division. Yeah, well said. Um, I have the Oilers as a complete wild card as well. Um, I, I think you don't know what you're going to get with them. They didn't really add enough, in my opinion, in the offseason. Um, so I have them a spot above where you have them. Uh, I have them at fifth. Uh, Montreal, though, is my sixth place team in a Canadian division. And I know we're vastly different here. And I'll explain myself. I do like their offseason. I, I won't lie. Like they added Edmondson on the back end. Um, they added Toffoli up front, I think is a big addition, but they also moved on from Domi who was a point producer and they got someone who just isn't really to the same level in, in Anderson. Um, so I think they had a good off season, but I think people use the whole carry price thing a little too generously, you know, Oh, they have carry price. So they could, you know, ultimately they could be the best team in that division any given year. And while I think that's true, and they demonstrated that with a small sample size in the playoffs, I really don't think they moved the needle enough for me. And I do like, again, I like some of their young players too. I think Suzuki had an unbelievable playoff. I think Kotkaniemi had a really good surprising playoff. And I do like the makeup of their team, but not enough for me to suggest that they're going to lose some of these other teams. Uh, that's totally fair. I have Montreal way too high in terms of my rankings uh like for for us like i think i have them quite a bit above you but uh i'll explain when we get there but uh i can i can understand where you're coming from i understand that there's a lot there's still a lot of question marks that don't mean for anderson uh is a very big question mark there as well but you know i'm not i gotta jump to number five and i got ottawa and i know people might say oh i got a homer that this is a homer pick I just don't see, like, I mean, realistically, five, six, and seven, you can enter, like, I, they can all mix and match. Like, realistically, it's just, I think Matt Murray's going to have a dominate, like, he's going to have a back, bounce back here. He's no longer in Pittsburgh. He'll come in as the number one. And I made this ba- list based off of the the amount of rumors surrounding the amount of back-to-backs that we're going to play. It's going to be a lot of back-to-backs, a lot of three games and four nights kind of situations. At least that's kind of what they're hinting at. If that's the case, I feel really confident in Matt Murray and Marcus Hogberg being that one-two punch for Ottawa. I think our offense has gotten better. Dadunov has is a vastly, a vastly huge upgrade. I think Galchenyuk's going to have a solid year because you know I think he he's going to be put in a position to succeed. I think Kachuk's going to take that next step. We're going to see a guy like Balsers or Abramov or Batherson take that next step. I think there's going to be a lot better power play. So I have them sitting fifth because I feel like their their goaltending is better. Their defense is still shaky. Uh, I think that's their biggest weakness right now. But I think they're finishing talent. They're going to they're going to generate more chances and finish more chances on the power play and on even strength than they did last year. And with the upgrade, healthy upgrade on goaltending, I think Ottawa slots in at fifth just getting ahead of Edmonton. I love it, Shane. It's hard to argue that any of these teams on the list, maybe outside of Calgary, had a better offseason than Ottawa. So, um, so I like I like the rise. I think it's a, it would be a rapid rise. I mean, if they're doing an expanded playoff, 
that might be a playoff position uh, where you have them. So, you know, to, to have a rise that high would be just a, a huge surprise and something that, you know, obviously as Sens fans, we would welcome at this stage because I think we're kind of moving on from wanting the best prospect every year in the draft and kind of moving on to wanting to see some wins come. So if they're able to win that much in this strong division, because it is relatively strong, um, I would be super impressed. Um, for me at number uh, at number five, I had Edmonton, which I think I mentioned, and it's for basically all the same reasons you already mentioned. I just don't believe that they made enough moves in the offseason to significantly improve their team. And they're just kind of hit and miss outside of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Um, the Oilers are just kind of hit and miss. I'm not too sure about them. Um, they could be really good. They could be really bad. Um, and, and that's kind of how it's been in Edmonton for quite a few years now. Um, ahead of them, I have Winnipeg. I, I have the Jets as a team that, again, didn't really add anything significant in the offseason. Um, defensively, after losing uh, Dustin Bufflin, they just haven't really been the same team, in my opinion. Um, I know he was, you know, quoted as a lazy player or, or a player that didn't work hard, but Bufflin was a presence back there that, quite frankly, the Jets just can't replace. Um, and it's really hurt them. I love their goaltending. I think Hellebuck is, is one of the best goalies in the league. And I do love some of their offense. That's why I have them, you know, ranked fourth in my on my list because I still think, you know, with Shifley, uh, Line, even though his feelings are hurt, um, some of these players, Blake Wheeler, are still really good players. Kyle Connor, there's quite a few of them. Um, yeah. so high enough, but that's where I have them. I think I think this is the only one that we agreed on, and and I have Winnipeg at fourth for about the same reasons. I think Hellebuck's going to take, going to continue to improve. I like the addition of Stasny. I think that's an underrated move by them. I think that you know Liney could have a bounce back year. Shifley and Wheeler are going to dominate. Nikolai Ellers and Kyle Connor are forced to be reckoned with. I think overall their forward group is very solid. Goaltending, outside of. Uh, Hellebuck, it's kind of shaky, but I have enough faith in Hellebuck that even on back-to-backs, he's going to, especially early in the season, I think if they can get out to an early jump, they'll be fine. Uh, You know, he's been off for such a long time. He'll want to play as much as possible. So I feel like Hellebuck's going to get a burn of the load. I like this team. I think there's going to be, they're going to win in shootouts. There's going to be games that are like, I would not be surprised if they win a 6-5 game. They'll probably win more 6-5 games than they do 2-1 games. Personally, uh, but I have them as well as fourth. And number three for me, I have Montreal. Um, and this is kind of where we got different because we, you put Montreal at sixth. I have them at three. I like Edmonton. I think Toffoli and uh, as much as Anderson's a downgrade necessarily for from Domi, Domi wants to play center. He's not a right winger. They needed that right wing depth. Uh, which is why they went out and signed Toffoli and got Anderson. I think he'll fit nicely in what Claude, jo- uh, Claude Jolien is going to do. He reminds me a lot of a, a better version of Nathan Horton. And if he can be healthy, if he can stay healthy, I think we should see an uptick in production from him. Uh, but I'm really banking on, and I think the team itself is banking on, Kakaniemi, Suzuki, and Poling really taking that next step next year. And if they do, this team is going to finish third because they'll be – They'll have the offense. Their defense is fantastic. And the I think another underrated addition, Jake Allen as their backup goaltender. 
like I know you mentioned like the price effect. Jake Allen coming in as a number two goaltender, a former number one. He took the job from Bennington in the playoffs from St. Louis. That is going to cause a lot of havoc because now you have two really good goaltenders in your net. And, you know, they could end up being higher on that list if those goaltenders stand up and their their offense produces. I'm not worried about their defense. I think Petrie and Sherratt and Weber and Co. are going to have a fantastic year. If that offense can find consistency and that goaltending can live up to the hype, this team's going to be a top three team in the, the Canadian division and probably should be considered a cup contender, uh, a borderline cup contender. But I would feel comfortable if they were going to the playoffs. Uh, and depending on that matchup, they could get to the second or third round relatively easily. All right. That's where we're very different. We're thinking very differently. I do not have Montreal as a cup contender. Uh, despite the improved goaltending, I like I like that stance because uh, I didn't mention that they added Jake Allen. So real quick, uh, Senators have just released their images for the uh, Sens retro jersey. Oh, we gotta get to retro. We gotta so get to uh, <laughs> we'll we'll get back to this list real quickly. Um, it does just look like a black, a red and black version of what they have going on. But yeah, it looks so sick. It looks clean. It looks crisp. I'm about it. Actually, yeah, now that I'm seeing it, um, and and it is going to be, I think, exactly what you said. It's going to be the red version of uh, of the black jersey that we currently have. But man, uh, just looking at that S on the shoulder, um, that could be fantastic. That and looks Montre- really good. And Montreal's going blue. Florida has this weird, it's weird, but it looks nice. Yeah, we got like a um, bit of gold in there. I see. Tam- oh, Tampa's going back to their 04 jersey. I'm so excited. Oh, yeah, the classic. Yeah, the, 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 I mean, first cup win. I'm not surprised. Oh, my God, that ugly bear. Why are they bringing that bear back? Oh, man. Yeah, some of these. Again, some of these are going to be hits. Some of them are going to be misses. I'm but so excited for the 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 Buffalo head for Buffalo in that blue and gold. Oh man, super stoked for that one. Yeah, the Bruins is uh, it's a hideous. Oh my goodness, that bear! I love it. Oh, and they're going and they're going. I know what you're. Yeah, and then Toronto is going with that blue and gray. Like what? What is that? That bear on the. Yeah, I don't get it. I I, I know, right? Like, what? But, like, okay, seriously, though. Like, that... That's classic. I'm f- That's so cute. excited. That is... But this bear, oh, my goodness. Yo, but this... <laughs> this higher. Like, that's, that. But that was an actual logo. Was like, it really? That, yeah, it was an actual logo. I just... Uh, I don't know. That just looks awful to me, but... Um, In Detroit... Man, I'm stoked for these. I think honestly, the Atlantic might have the best ones. Overall. Yeah, pretty nice ones. There's Toronto's. Um, they've got uh, the there's the silver and blue. You won't see it well on the camera, but yeah, no, these are actually hard. really nice. I'm not even gonna lie. I I dig these hard. Um, so I guess we'll get the official release on the 16th. Then is that what we're looking at? I, I have no idea. Rumored the November 16th that I thought it was the leak, like or the uh, basically the preview for the Atlantic coming out on the 16th, but that's, uh, I that's think people, cool. I think 
I think people may have thought they weren't going to do it on Sunday. They were going to wait until the Monday. Hmm. Uh, but no, honestly, they're beautiful. Love them so much. I might just say screw it and get it. I want to see the numbers. I want to see how they do the numbering on it. But, you know, back to what we were talking about before. You had, who did you have at number three? Uh, yeah, so my uh, third place team, I had Vancouver, despite the losses that they've kind of had this offseason. They have lost a lot of players, um, and they've all went to Calgary, pretty much. <laughs> but uh, but at number three, I have Vancouver, um, just because I think their core is young. Um, I really like Hughes. I'm really big on him, um, and Pedersen, of course. Um, so I see those players taking a forward stride. Um, and to me, that's why Vancouver still has to be considered one of the best teams in a Canadian division, uh, just because their core is still really young. They did lose some players. Um, I have faith in Demko. I think he's really good. They added Holtby. Um, I think Demko could be a number one goalie as early as next year. Uh, so I wasn't too disappointed that they lost Markstrom. And I like the rest of their roster. Like I, I just like the makeup of their roster. Um, defensively, maybe they're not going to be so strong, um, but offensively, I think they'll be uh, pretty good, specifically on the power play. If I have them at three. Yeah, I mean, that, that's fair. And again, they could. They could just have a really good year despite the losses. At, at two, uh, I have the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, I don't think their defense has gotten really any better. I think losing, you you lost CC and Barry and replaced them with uh, with um TJ Brody. Brody, yeah. Yeah. Don't know why I forgot his name for a second. Yeah. You replace him with TJ Brody. I think Brody's an upgrade over Barry in terms of he fits the system better. But I don't think their their three uh, their four through six is any better than it was last year. And their goaltending is questionable still. Like outside of Anderson, I don't feel like Jack Campbell can do it. I, I don't really see how I think like then they've added Aaron Dell and Michael Hutchinson. And then Forward wise, you added Joe Thornton, so you got slower on your bottom six. You got rid of Kapanen and got slower on your bottom, and you added, you got rid of Andre Johnson, Johnson, and then Kapanen, and then added Spezza and Thornton. You got in slower on your bottom six. Like I just, they have a lot of question marks, but the thing is, their top four is going to get them wins. They're just going to outscore some teams. It's that's just how it's going to happen. Frederick Anderson is going to be Frederick Anderson. He's going to win them some games. But I have them second because I think they're overall like their their top end talent is better than anyone else in the league in ter- or the Canadian division. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they faltered and they're a little bit lower on the list. Yeah, I don't disagree with anything you said. Um, I didn't love their off season either. Uh, number two for me, I have Calgary. Um, I have loved their off season. Uh, I think they did get uh, significantly better. Um, and they were already a pretty good team, in my opinion. Uh, so they had a bit of a down year offensively last year. Uh, I think they'll rebound from that this year. I have them second. Um, and I, I really do see Calgary being one of the best teams, not only in the Canadian division, but perhaps in the league uh, coming up this season. I think this core, uh, this is the year for them. I really think they're in their prime, in their window. Um, 
with some of the additions they made, you know, Tanev defensively, basically all Canucks, Markstrom and net. Um, to me, goaltending was the biggest question mark, and I think they addressed it. Um, they got a really good goaltender. We'll see how they do. I have them second. I think uh, they really have potential to win this division, but that's where I see them. Yeah, that's fair. And I mean, for me, I have Calgary at number one. They're my first number one in the Canadian division. I love their additions. I think Markstrom gives them a solid goaltender that they really haven't had since Kippersoft. You know, him and Riddick should be a good one-two combo. They've added some really good depth forward-wise and defensively. I think Monaghan and Goudreau are going to have, and Lindholm are all going to step up. I think you're going to see a rise in Hannafin. Kachuk is going to Kachuk. Uh, I think overall that team has gotten a lot better, and I think they're going to bounce back. Goaltending, goaltending, their biggest weakness the last couple of years has been addressed. I wouldn't be surprised if they're. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're number one. I wouldn't be surprised if they're top five in the league. Yeah, I see it the same way with Calgary. Uh, we just had our our top two reversed. Obviously, I have Toronto number one. I'm not super happy about it, but uh, <laughs> but regular season wise in this division. Um, I think, as you were saying, for Winnipeg, outscoring their opponents six to five every night, um, I could see that happening. I could see a reaction on your face too. So I'm more curious about that than talking good things about the Leafs. Uh, sorry, just um, uh, on Twitter still, and one of the things that popped up, Locked On Sense podcast, great guys. Yeah, um, they just great idea. I didn't even notice it. The shoulder patch on the Sense jersey is the the wing is red. So does that mean the logo is going to have the red trim instead of the gold trim? Is it is it gold on the black jerseys though? The black, I think so. Is the cape? Because uh, uh, I thought the cape was always on the S. I thought the cape was always. Um, I thought they changed it to gold this year. Red. I thought to match the the new jersey. Um, we gotta we gotta examine that a little bit. But if that you know if they come out with the original logo with that like red cape. Yeah, that's that's different. And and if you notice the original logo too from the '90s, it has the Ottawa Senators around, uh, like it spells yeah. out Ottawa Senators as opposed to the laurels that they went with. So um, maybe they go with that logo, which would be sick. Would be, yeah, that would be a, a bit of a difference. That we yeah no uh, no it's gold. I'm on the Ottawa it team is. shop, and the jersey's gold. What a catch by them! Good catch because that's not yeah. something that uh, that I would have caught. So no, neither did I. Uh, and also on Sen's Twitter, if you're on it, check out Everyday Sen's because he always does um, great jersey mashups, and he's already got one out uh, based on what the red would look like. It looks pretty sick with uh, Brady Kachuk. Yo, if they have the red, like the original logo, bro, that'd be sick. Yeah. Because he has it with the gold. I think they'll do it with the red. Yeah, look, it, it honestly, it looks better than I thought it would. So I'm I'm happy with it. I would buy one. Uh Based on what we see so far, um, I think it would look amazing. Just having all, imagine having all three up on your wall. I mean, that would look terrific. Got the white, the black, and the red in between it. Oh to man, me, I might have to do it. That would that would be a fortune, but uh, but money well spent, maybe. <laughs> yeah, probably. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but yeah, you were saying let's just wrap this up real quick. We're over the hour mark. Uh, you know, you said the Toronto Maple Leafs are number one. Uh, sorry to interrupt you again. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, uh, there's more pressing things when it comes to Senators news that uh, that we quite frankly would rather get to than talking good things about the Leafs. So 
yeah, I had them number one. They're interchangeable um, with a few teams there. Uh, I have them number one in the regular season. I have them falling out of the playoffs relatively quickly, as they always do. So take that, Leaf fans, if you're listening. I don't know why you would be. Um, but there you go. Uh, we need to get into over-under on Colin White. Awesome. Yeah, we'll just do a quick rundown of all the lists. I used the Blasty logo because I just wanted to use it because there's talk of it, and I love that logo. So these are our top tens. It'll be posted on Twitter and Instagram after the episode is released uh, tomorrow on Monday. But, yeah, we'll do the over-under. And you pick this week's over and under. Uh, based off, I mean, if you listen to our last episode, you should know exactly who our over-under is on this week. Uh, but, yeah, let, let, let you introduce the over-under yeah, for, for us. For sure. I thought it would be a fun one to go with just because uh, Colin White's had two very different seasons. You know, his rookie season uh, was very productive, um, but he was playing with Mark Stone. So a lot of people want to put that as an asterisk beside uh, what he did that season. Um, and this past season, he had a down year, but he was injured. So uh, you have to be fair and, and put that asterisk beside this season. Um, but Colin White, 38. Point five, I believe, is uh, the number that I thought yes. would be a pretty fair one to debate on uh, over under. I see it. I'm going under on this, Shane. Uh, what, what do you got for me before I explain why? Where are you going on 38.5? Um, if if we're doing – okay, in an 82-game season, I'm saying the over. And in a, a shorter season, let's say it's like 48 games, I'm going to take the under. I think he has the potential. He'll pro- honestly, wouldn't it be surprised if he gets top line minutes? He'll probably be playing in the top six to start the season if he's healthy. He, you know, he had twenty, uh, he had thirteen points in the last like twenty eight games of the regular season, so he can produce, and I think he will produce if given that role. But in a in a shortened season, I'm going to give him to the under in a in a full eighty two games. I'm going to take the over, and I'm going to put him in a full eighty two at forty four points. Wow, that's a nice season. That would be a really nice bounce-back season for Colin White at a full 82 games. Um, yeah, I have him under at a full 82. Um, so, I, And it's not because I'm not high on Colin White. I like some of the things that he does. Uh, I like the style that he plays with, but I think he's worked himself into more of a third-line role with the team. And I see players on the depth chart that are probably going to pass him really soon. Uh, if not this season. So to me, it's about role with Colin White. Is he going to get the number one power play minutes anymore? Probably not. Um, there's more offensive players. Uh, if Galchenyuk is a, is a guy who has a really good season, I think he would be slotted ahead of Colin White on the power play. Um, you know, Dadnov is another addition. Timmy Stutzla, if he's coming up and eventually transitioning to center, there's just too many players for me to say that Colin White's going to get a prominent role any longer. So I'm going under on this one. Yeah, I know that's fair. But I think DJ has shown that like, if you show him you deserve the minutes, you're going to get them. And I think we're going into camp. There is no true number one center. No one dis- no one took it last year. And no one's- And so he's going to go in there and be like, all right, who who wants it? And if Colin White can show in there and be like, hey, I want it and, per- and perform well with Kachuk and Dadanov, because realistically, if we're going to pencil in any positions, it's Kachuk. And Dadanoff, your your top left and right winger, Connor Brown is going to slot in as either your second or third line right winger. And outside of that, and like Anisimov, Anisimov's probably going to be your fourth line center. Nick Paul, your fourth line winger, and Austin Matthew, Austin Watson, 
your fourth line right winger. Like your fourth line is relatively set. No, outside of that, like you have five, five or six positions that are really set in stone. Uh, like I just, I think you're going to have a, a good camp. You're going to have a good open competition. And I would not be surprised if Colin White wins that battle. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets the, he gives, he's been given the most opportunity to do so. Yeah. Uh, um, I think when we reviewed our lineups, I did have him starting as my number one center um, for the simple fact that, you know, as of right now, he's probably the most likely guy to play that role. But, uh, but long-term, I'm not sure how that works out. And even short-term this season, um, I'm not sure how that works out. I'll give him 34 points for the season, um, which to me isn't a bad season if he's getting, you know, if he's averaging like 15 minutes a night. Agreed. I, I personally would be okay with that. If he's averaging under, like if he's averaging 13, like third line minutes, I expect third line production. And that's exactly what we're going to get out of a guy like what if he is that in that role. But I, I just don't see them get, they gave him too big of a contract to put him as a third line right now. Yeah. He's on a huge contract um, based on that first really good rookie season. Um, time will tell if that's going to be a bad contract for them. Hopefully not. Hopefully he can uh, bounce back. Considering our cow space, I don't think it will be. <laughs> yeah. It, like, if, it's not likely going to affect them anyway, uh, at least in the short term. So it's it's not a huge deal to get hung up on the contract. And he's a very serviceable uh, player anyway. 100%. I like him. I think he'll do well. Well, But we should say, wait and see. Man, this jersey news has just got me hyped. Because yeah. like, I want to see if they go back to the original logo. Yeah, I think it, it's got to be a difference. It, it probably will be a difference from the blacks if they're going with the red cape. Oh, man, I'm gonna, that'd be so sick. It would be amazing. Or maybe the uh, peace tower. <laughs> God, no. God, just no. To, to throw a loop in it. Nope. Not at <laughs> all. But, man, I honestly super excited for these jerseys. Uh, I, I, I can't wait for them to be released. If they get released tomorrow, great. If they get released in a month, I don't care. They're just super nice. Uh, you know, but you know, that's all for this episode, guys. Remember, check out our Twitter and Instagram page for our customized sports uh giveaway. We're giving away a Kachuk and a Shabbat jersey kit. Jersey is not provided, it is not included. Uh, but again, super, super easy to put together. So if you have a blank new jersey, new home jersey, uh, we will have something for you. Don't worry, we'll be running this contest every month. Next month. If these jerseys are released, oh man, it's going to be a great one. We're going to have such a fun time next month if these jerseys are released by then. But for myself and for Derek, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure uh, doing this again. We'll catch you with a new episode Thursday morning. Follow me at Shane underscore Ryan 97, Derek at DLE 075. And obviously the Sens Hour at Sens underscore Hour on Instagram and on Twitter. Have a safe one, guys. Derek, thank you for coming on again. It's a pleasure having you on as a full-time host. It, uh, it makes content a lot more fun. We always have a good time, Shane. It, it was great. Take care, guys. Yeah. Yeah, and hopefully, maybe, hey, maybe, maybe by Thursday's episode, we'll have a whole new jersey to talk about. We need something. They got to give oh, us something. Oh, yeah, definitely. Maybe, maybe more teasing. But, anyways, guys, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll catch you back here again on Thursday with a brand new episode.